You are listening to House of Football, brought to you by Sports Joe. Hello, I'm Eric Lawler. Welcome to episode 34 of House of Football with Sports Joe. It is the post-FAI Cup final podcast and a little bit of Premier League. I'm delighted to have in studio to League of Ireland stalwarts in Alan Colley and uh, a very jubilant and happy Keith Tracy <laughs> from the Pat side of things. Um, uh, I suppose we just talk about the day itself. Congratulations to Pats. I think they deserved a win in the end. Um, uh, a record-breaking attendance, 43,881. Uh, and, and, and incidentally, it was the ninth best attended cup final across Europe, like beating uh, finals in Belgium, the Netherlands, Portugal, Denmark. It's incredible, that, isn't it? Like, when you think about it, where the League of Ireland or where it's come. I watched a little video of, I think it was, I was drawing it in Sligo on the FAI Cup final, the Aviva there a couple of years ago, and it was like, it was sparsely populated. Yeah. And just to see how much has advanced in that in, in th- th- those few years, uh, your, your your thoughts on the day itself, Al? Yeah, I like that, Eric. It was absolutely amazing occasion. Uh, they all are, to be fair, the FA Cup final. As I've mentioned many times, it's it's my favourite day. I, I love it. It's kind of, we've held on to that glamour still of the FA Cup where other countries might have lost it. Um, but it is, it's our showpiece day. And the fact that we got a record attendance, I think makes it probably the most special one out of them all. It really was incredible to see the amount of people, the hype beforehand. I remember back to the 2014 final and it was only 17,000 at the game. So when you put it in that context, it's really incredible in the space of nine years. And I think to be fair, off the back of the season and since COVID, attendances are up everywhere across the board. So it just highlights the real appetite that there is for live football, for domestic football, for the potential that's there to grow the game and 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 to kick on now hopefully. And um, I suppose it puts us in a far better place in terms of an argument that when we are lobbying for investment and going to the likes of government officials to say look we can back it up with the numbers that are crying out for this stuff so in terms of the facilities and the infrastructure you need to help us out here like there's a real demand for this and uh, this can go somewhere it really can uh, the sky's the limit and there's proof in the pudding in terms of what we've seen on Sunday and I think that's the only thing that's missing Eric is that the facilities are still so poor in a lot of the grounds and because it's been neglected for so long that's always something that's been holding us back. And when you take the two clubs that were involved on Sunday, their average attendance, I think this season has been about 4,000. But you'll know as well as anyone, Daily Mount, if, if I had the, the facilities to cater for it, there'd be seven and 8,000 at every match. There's a major demand. And I think to be fair to Pats as well, there's a huge demand. And they've had a major upsurge as well that if they could cater for five or 6,000, you'd see it every week also. So I think the proof is now in the pudding. So... In terms of, I suppose, building off Sunday and that occasion and where we can go, we have real, real serious numbers to back it up now and hopefully that can be something that becomes the norm and kick on rather than thinking, oh, that was a great day and we'll just go back to the old ways now. Uh, You really want to press on and move the thing forward now because, as I say, there's major, major potential. Keith, you're, 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 uh, obviously as a, as a Pats man, you had an unbelievable day, but your impressions of the whole day as a whole, the, the, the occasion, the, the scenes, the atmosphere? Yeah, I thought it was brilliant. Really, <clears throat> really good day. And first and foremost, it was a decent game of football. Sometimes you can turn up. I mean, last year, after 60 minutes, we knew Derry were going to win the game of football. It was out sight. But yeah, it was nip and tuck. And I still, I'm thankful that Pats managed to get it over the line. Because when you look at the two teams on paper, I think they're really, really well matched. I think Keith Buckley and Rakowski coming out are a big, big miss. Probably uh, really hampered Bowers in the end. But two set pieces and a silly back pass from O'Sullivan and, and Pats go and win the game. But 
Yeah, not an awful lot in it, but I thought there were some great battles. But again, if I, if I was to go through individuals, I thought Redmond against uh, Afalabi, I thought Redmond won that battle. Curtis uh, against Grant, Curtis came out on top. Breslin against Connolly, Breslin came out on top. In the middle, there was maybe a little bit of nip and tuck, but I thought when Flores went into the middle for Bowes, Bowes started to play a little bit of football, hit the post, and you were probably the better team without ever really walking Dean Linusty with a better team. So, yeah, I was happy that Pats managed to get over the line and brilliant with the amount of young lads that that are in that team that could be together for the for the next four or five years. I know that's not really the done thing in the League of Ireland, but if you could manage to keep that core group of players together, it looks brilliant for Pats. And you know, I have lads in the in the seventeens who are fifteen and sixteen, and they're looking at Mason coming on. Do you see the pathway? That's oh, brilliant. Like, and, and this isn't a nothing game. It wasn't the game was the game is in the melting yeah, pot. Yeah, still good twenty five minutes to go. Well, imagine being Mason. Imagine just yeah. turning sixteen and John Brave. Daly turns around and goes, "I want you on the pitch," and it, it just makes you feel huge. And you know, Mason didn't do too much in the game, but it's just he knows now exactly what John Daly thinks of him and what the Pats uh, the Pats fans think of him. And, it's brilliant. Even Joe Redman's only twenty three, and we mm. talk about him like he like he's thirty two. Been there, yeah, and he he's excellent. And yeah, I, I think Pats could be could be players next season. I don't think they're going to win it. I still think I think Shamrock Rovers. Do you want to buy seven points at, at a at a bit of a canter towards the end? So I still think there's a there's a bit of a gap between uh, between Shamrock Rovers and the rest. But I think it's it's getting tighter. Yeah, it really is. Um, in terms of the atmosphere, it was amazing. Um, Obviously, it was in the south stand with, with the Bowes fans and, again, first five, ten minutes, couldn't see the match because of all the pyro. Now, I know <coughs> there's been this clampdown on pyro, but I love the pyro, I have yeah, to say. Absolutely. And I, I think once it's managed, like there was like an army of fire officers on the pitch at both ends, so they were picking up the pyro that was being sent down and they're trying to eliminate it. And both sets of uh, clubs have big supporters group. I know the Bowes have the notorious Bill Boys. And for weeks leading up to the cup final, they were taking donations from Bowes fans to make this big, massive uh, tifu. Um, and a lot of time and work went into it. Pats had something similar planned as well. And then, an hour before kickoff, mm. they're told by the FBI you're not allowed to put them up. After this had been agreed that they would be allowed to put it up. Mm. And I just thought that was... Like, we're, we are trying to create a buzz, and there was a massive buzz around the game, and it was a, a brilliant celebration of League of Ireland football on Sunday. The colour, the noise, the atmosphere, everything. But I just think... We're cutting our nose off to spite our face sometimes. Like, why not let them do the display? It's another layer of... And, and what a spectacle it would have made um, uh, for people watching on TV going, wow, this is a proper match. Look at the size of that stadium. Look at the display there. Like, yeah. real. I agree, Eric, yeah. Um, I was obviously away last week in the San Siro, and when you talk about displays, it's off the charts in terms of... That was they, incredible, I saw what, that. ...what they do. Yeah. And, and yet I go to these games around Europe and the flares is the norm. Mm. And I looked at the game on Sunday then, and we were down the Pats end um, and sorry, before I get to the flares side of things, the story that we had heard, there was a, a lot of flags in the seats before anybody yeah. came into the ground. So I was looking at that thinking, there's the display when the flags come out or when the people come in on each seat, there's a, a little flag, they'll all wave and it looks deadly then when, the, when it's full capacity. So about an hour and a half then before we were due to go on air as well, I started seeing the stewards going around picking it all up. And we were kind of thinking, what, what's going on here? And obviously we knew there must have been a problem. What I had heard and what we were told was it was the fire officer come in and said they're flammable, those flags. Right. And that was the reason why we couldn't obviously have, it was a safety or it was a health and safety issue. That's as little as I know, that's as little as we were told. Or I don't know the reason as to why the big Tfue display thing yeah. was stopped. Because again, to me, that is absolutely amazing. And it would have been incredible in the ground prior to kick off five minutes to do the display and on we go with the game. And the flares thing to me as well, we have this issue across the country in places. I don't know what the big problem is. I know 
obviously it's a safety thing but I don't know is it because people throw them onto the pitch then and they're so close to the pitch that they get on the pitch because the pitch was fairly marked in the goal mouths as well yeah I don't know you'd have to speak to the FEI and, and, and then it leads to fines for clubs as well and as you say I don't know are we cutting our nose off the spider face in a lot of cases because you want to create that kind of noise and atmosphere and, and it does add to it the pyro stuff is amazing when you see the flares going off but in terms of the safety elements, you'd have to speak to a, a safety officer about that or the FEI officials. I, I, I couldn't answer that one. Yeah, but again, like an hour and a half beforehand, the safety officer yeah. was in to check. Surely this should have been done a week beforehand. <laughs> what are we planning to do? And the, the, both teams had spent the money on what they, the, the flags or whatever. And had the meetings with them as well to say, it's yeah, ridiculous. this is okay. It's, it wouldn't be like the FEI to be uh, to be reactive and not proactive. So <coughs> That's Look, why they well, got it yeah, you're, that, you're, you're dead right, Keith. That's a good point because... The optics of it, as I said, what got me straight away, you fella stewards going in picking up all the flags and I'm thinking, you should be bringing in more flags, not yeah, taking them out. Yeah. You know, and just the optics of it look bad. That's, even if they were disagreeing with it, do it Saturday night before the game when there's no one there and no one yeah. sees it. You know, so that that didn't look great. And as you say, it's it's a thing that's done all over Europe. It's a thing that's it, it adds the fan culture that's around amazing. Europe and it's it's just something I think the League of Ireland could do. If it's managed properly, of course there's safety issues, but even your man saying the flags are flammable, are, are there unflammable flags out there? <laughs> Surely all flags are flammable. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> um, but the game itself, um, you know, as I said, uh, Bowes, Bowes took an early lead to penalty from from, from Appalabi and, and took it well. I was surprised he was still fit after playing a Friday night yeah, for Warford that, against yeah. Rock. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see that? Keith, you're a co commentator. I got a bit of slack after that. You know what it was? Dave said it forced. Dave McIntyre went <laughs> forced and I just followed him. Followed suit. Do your own thing. Yeah, I know. I was, I was a sheep and I should have been a sheep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I got yeah, a bit of slack. That's what happened. I mean, he was only good for 10, 15 minutes. He was wrecked, <laughs> yeah. He was wrecked, yeah. <laughs> uh, was it Awalabi? What was yeah. it? Should we just call them Tundi? You know, and it wasn't like it's total different ends of the spectrum. They're similar enough second names, aren't they? Like, I know you love Dave McIntyre. Dave McIntyre's a great commentator. He's really good. Um, but yeah, just that was the London joke. Dave was getting that wrong because Dave's a stickler for detail. Yeah, you know, and does his research. And I know Dave, but I was sitting at home and said, "Lads, will someone tell them?" And 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 just to just to talk about that, I mean, Watford promoted Cork, relegated, like. Yeah, Cork, well, Cork have been a disaster all season, Eric. Like we were down there the first night, and I says to the lads, Bose beat them comfortably. It was actually Bose, and they beat them so comfortably. I know it ended two one, but it was that was no reflection on how the game went whatsoever. And I was thinking this is going to be a long year for them. Then you had the Colin Healy stuff when I think Lane came in as a director of football. I felt Colin felt undermined and walked out of principle. I think. Um, and since then, Richie Holland took over them for four or five games. Did well. Then they decide to give the job to Lame didn't go as well down fighting relegation all year and ultimately like when, when you look at it it's a first division team like the players there they, they didn't really strengthen in the off season bar Keating and if you take his goals out of it they would have been down fighting with UCD and yeah. automatic relegation so I think it's disappointing because we all want a good functional Cork because obviously it's such a big club they're a big plus to the league of course but yeah. that, they have no divine right just to be in the league because they're a big club and, no. they're, and they're down there and we all want them and we want a good geographical spread unless you do your business properly and they haven't like they've been so poor all season every time I've watched them they've never impressed me once and even the other night I felt Waterford it was a great game to watch N10 but I still felt Waterford were the better team they should have been out of sight Waterford before yeah. Cork took the lead they missed two or three unbelievable chances so even though we want the good Cork I think Waterford would be a big addition they brought a massive crowd to Tala the other night it's a huge well. crowd wasn't yeah, it and I thought they played well I thought they were yeah. good on the night Waterford. full value for the win and I'm glad for the likes of Keith Long back in the league as well Alan Reynolds um, 
huge Premier Division experience and I think Waterford will be a good addition they really will um, you, you were obviously uh, on cold comms for, for, for the game yeah messing you... everything up yeah. no no no, no. <laughs> um, the, 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 the Waterford you think they'll be a good addition to the, to the Premier Division next season yeah I think they, I think they have enough and to be fair like I know we can sit here and say Cork have had an awful season I think Cork's remit was sustaining the league and it had the beaten Waterford in the playoff you'd probably be saying it was a decent season Job done. I get I get what Alan's saying about it being a poor season but all they had to do was stay in the league that was their remit there's no point saying if we finish 5th, 6th we'd be done well they're, they're, they're a poor team they're a championship team or a league 1 team in the, at this level and when Keaton went off at half time me and Dave looked at each other and said that that's pretty much it and you could see his, his, something was wrong with his shoulder he wasn't even swinging it and he, he gave it a good go he's running around for 10 minutes he's jumping for headers and he's falling he'd no balance whatsoever you could see how much it, me- it meant to him it meant for Cork to keep him on the pitch but I think Waterford and Rowan and Coughlin I, I, it was the battle of the strikers and once once Rory Keaton went off it weighed heavily to Waterford and they managed to get it done and he showed his cuteness there Coughlin winning the penalty as well didn't yeah. he yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. 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 once he gets across Coleman Coleman like, and there's been mistakes all year but, but you can't be lunging into the back of him even if, he, even if it's minimal contact once you're the wrong side you're leaving the referee with no option whatsoever and as you say Coughlin steps across him and the penalty as well like I often criticise players for these penalties but if you're as good as him at doing it yeah. like he has a master to be fair yeah. to him and so calm oh, um, the, little, the little jump and skip yeah it's the, unbelievable yeah. Like he, he really like, and then he looks at the keeper he doesn't even look at the ball like yeah. it's, a, it's a real skill in itself and to be fair to him he, he stepped up it wouldn't be my I no, took penalties and it was always lone hard into the corner <laughs> pick your spot or whatever we were told when we were kids but this fella doing hop skips and jumps and looking at the goalkeeper <laughs> not even looking at the ball like that's yeah uh, that scares me that does but um, in terms of the uh, like sorry just want to go back to the cup final a bit um, because we should have spent a bit more time on the cup final because it was the big big match of the uh, of the weekend Um. You just say to you, you think you're thinking maybe Pats might be still a little bit off it in terms of challenging next season. I would, I would, I would argue that Pats will be probably even stronger challengers than Derry next season, purely because, as you say, that that young core group that they have, and there's a pathway for young, exciting players coming through that academy. They've got some brilliant young talent there already. Like you mentioned, Joe Rebbin, he's the captain. He's only twenty three. Yeah. He's still only a nipper. And even the likes of Keen, <coughs> Keen Levy's done brilliant in the last month or so. He's only twenty one years of yeah. age. But the big thing with me is with, with youngsters, you get in, inconsistency. They'll right. have an off day. They'll have a good day. They'll have an off day. You need to put that together. Off the top of my head, I think Pat's lost ten games this season. Shamrock Rovers lost four. And okay. I know there's only seven points in the difference, but Pat's a lot of them were at the start though. With, exactly, with, with him, you have to become better, harder to beat. When you're torn up and you don't play well, you have to draw the game. If you don't play well, you have to win the game. How many times have I come away from Tala this season or wherever Shamrock Rovers and playing thought they weren't great, but they won? Yeah, and that's what you need to do. Pat's at the minute, Derry at the minute for me haven't got that they don't play well, they lose, they get turned over. You need to be a little bit more horrible and just stick around in games, nick a draw. That that's for me what Pats are missing. Just being able to not play well and draw. And, it and the difference football. there, Keith, probably is that Rovers probably have them experienced heads in their squad. That yeah, can they do have that. they have the older heads. They have people who just won't panic. They, they they have success. Once you have success in the building, then you you're you you're buying into what Stephen Bagley has to say. You you go one nil down, you go two nil down. You don't panic because you know. Well, I I have a recipe here that has worked over the last couple of years, so I'm going to keep going. Pats is just a little bit flaky at times, and when Rovers came down this season. Dirty Pats, Bowes, everybody come off it with them. So hopefully uh, Pats, Dirty Bowes can be a little bit harder to beat next season and Shamrock Rovers won't be as good as they have been. I think it's a massive recruitment uh, off-season for Bowes uh, in terms of, like I think all season we've been kind of a little bit 
suspect of our own defence. And again, in the final, we were, you know, we were weak. And I think, you know, speaking to both fans afterwards, you know, like, excuse me, French here, but we want to, we need to be signing players that have a pair of bollocks, that a bit more experienced, bit, you know, masses of the dark arts. We mm. need, like, you know, just a big, solid centre-half, experienced around the league, knows what it's about. I just think we were too lightweight, too inexperienced at the back end it showed. And I just think it's a massive... Um, off season for Bowes in, in terms Pat Fennham is going to have to step up to the plate now he's been brought in mm. to, to, to sort out transfers and whatever and you would hope with Pat and all the contacts that he has around various leagues around Europe that we can bring in some quality yeah just before I get to that <coughs> just on, on the Pat's young players it was amazing the young players that finished the game as well like I couldn't believe it I, I, I was looking at it thinking this must be the youngest team to ever finish a cup final anywhere, I'd say. It was absolutely unbelievable. You bring on Murphy, you bring on Melia, Alex Nolan, Lonergan. They're teenagers, 18, 19, 20 years of age, all yeah. of those boys. Mason, 16. Like, it was phenomenal. When you already have young Redmond on 16 last month as well. Curtis <laughs> is already on the pitch. Like, Lennon, everyone thinks he's young. Lennon's 25 now, but still, uh, to me, he's young. I thought Lennon was outstanding on the day as well. Yeah, we got man the match. Yeah, he was brilliant. Yeah. He really was, because he had a lot to deal with, because Forrester was kind of drifts on and looks to get forward Levy the same he was the one that was obviously trying to look after James Clark and he did a really good job of it I thought uh, particularly in that second half but just on and I think that that can be a catalyst for Pats going forward I know Keith's saying about the young players and inconsistencies but the key thing for them now because to be fair to John Daly it's very premature what they've achieved is way ahead of schedule because when he got the job obviously there was a bit of doom and gloom with Tim it was just to steady the ship wasn't yeah, it really yeah. think so. yeah. then he goes on an unbelievable run all of a sudden he's chasing down Shamrock Rovers when nobody really seen them as title challengers then he gets them to a cup final now he wins the cup so everything has happened way ahead of schedule the key thing for them now is can he hold on to some of those young players because I'm reading they're linked here there and everywhere young Curtis after the cup final because that's where clubs will judge him as well it's alright doing it in the league games on a Friday but they'll watch him in a 43,000 seater stadium on the big day having to deal with a tricky winger and he deals with him yeah. so that's what they'll judge him on um, and I think he'll, he'll have his choice so it's how, it's how many of those lads they can hold on to but it can be a real catalyst for them going forward uh, for St. Pat's for next year on the Bose thing, if you and that was always my worry for them, because I've been in Daily Mount so many times this year. The back four are so vulnerable, no matter who plays. And if you look at the ones that played on Sunday, the two Polish lads on the right hand side, no League of Ireland experience whatsoever between them. And and you need that League of Ireland experience. Yeah. Keith will tell you, the league's hard. Like how many outsiders have come in and and really lit the place up or if they have it's taken them a year or two to kind of to get, get the league and get to grips with it and know what it's all about then you've young Key and Byrne who I wouldn't put any fault in no, his no, no. but he's a young lad stepping in he's only trying to make his way and then you've a midfielder playing left full Flores Yeah. so like you look at that back four on paper and you're thinking mm, we can get at these that's not great then the goals to concede now they're unbelievable deliveries I will say that Mulroney to be fair to him two incredible deliveries and uh, but they are quite deep as Keith said uh, but Bart Kukovic, is it? Yeah. The right lad, the right back, he's the wrong side of Mark Doyle. And once you get the wrong side, you, you're you're gone. You're out of the game. Doyle, it's a great header, to be fair to him, but that's preventable. And the second one, Novak, if you actually watch it back, or if he gets caught on the edge of the box, people think, oh, it's an unfortunate goal. He's, he's trying to mark him. He's facing his own goal. It's an but OG. the damage was done. The damage was done before the ball was even kicked. And if you watch it back, he's standing with Redmond, has him touched tight, no problem, knows where he is. Then he takes a look at the ball before Mulraney takes it, and Redmond is gone. And it's only a split second, but Redmond has the run on him then. And by the by the time the ball comes in, he's a, he's a yard ahead of him and the panic sets in. Oh, I'm in trouble here. Shit, I'm in trouble. He's facing his own goal. He thinks, I just need to get some sort of contact on it because if I don't, Redmond's going to score. 
and the contact obviously leads to the OG but it was the mistake was made on the edge of the box and it was a mistake it wasn't an unfortunate OG it was a mistake and that's where they got caught out the two goals because other than that I agree with Keith I thought Bowes played well in the first half I think John Daly gave Pats a bit of a rocket at half time they came out with intensity in the second half started the second half really well and once they went 2-1 up I never seen any way back for Bowes bar Flores free kick yeah that was the only moment. Yeah, they managed yeah. it really well. I thought the substitutes coming on, Murphy did well when he came on, yeah. energy running around the pitch, um, and I thought they managed it quite well then after that pass. I, I thought John Daly had a, like, I'm sitting up in the up in the garage, you know, where the media section is in the Aviva, so you, you have the whole scan of the pitch, and early on I thought Jamie Lennon uh, will play as the one holding midfielder for Pats, but all of a sudden Chris Forrester came beside him, only for the first 20 minutes or so, and I think that was John Daly saying, listen, we want to play out from the back early doors, Chris is one of our better footballers, get him on it, he won't panic, whereas Flores, one of Bo's better footballers, he's playing left back, he's not really in the mixer, so for me, I'd have thrown him in there and said, you go and get a hold of Chris Forrester, just keep tabs on him, don't let him play, and when you get it, go and play football, because Chris, for everything he's good at, one of the best, probably the best player in the league for me, he doesn't like running around and getting the ball back, that's not one of his best attributes, so I thought that was something that Bowes maybe missed and Flores out at left back, he, I was thinking, I love James McManus, I know he's a young boy, but I think he's a super, super player, so I'd have shoot-horn him into that team myself, but then when you see Flores coming into the middle of the pitch and Bowes started to and get, the difference get made, for the yeah. game all well, of a sudden. Maybe the argument Keith was for Flores alongside McManus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and then McManus getting. To, I know he got the yellow, and he probably should have got a second yellow. He was lucky to rest yeah, it. That's why he got taken off. But I, I, I would. That you're talking about being ballsy. I would have kept him on. But imagine if he'd been taken sent off, like but, you know. I know, but, yeah, ifs and buts and all that. But he would have been slaughtered, Devine, if he'd been sent off a couple of minutes later. Because the immediate reaction from everyone in the, in the South Stand was. Get him off, get yeah. him off. His next foul, he's gone. And a fair, like John Daly said, I've seen it straight away, he said to the fourth official, that he's taking him off because he should have been sent off. <laughs> yeah, I, I, to be fair, I thought that when he took him off, I thought that's a little thing of, oh, I thought he could have went there. Oh, no, that was the reason, Keith. What I'm saying is, are you brave? And it's a big call, to be fair. I know you don't want to go down to 10 men. Yeah, but look, but it's a good player. You're taking him out. And I, I, like, you know. There's an interesting stat, though, this season. Every game McManus started for Bowes, Bowes haven't lost. Yeah, I, I just thought it was. <laughs> and look. When you're in the heat of the moment, Declan makes that split second decision because he's afraid of going down to ten. I, I I get that totally, but he's he's one of your better ones. I yeah. don't think Adam McDonald really. Did, did. But I, I think you have to protect him as well. He's so young that if he's playing in his fourth FAI Cup final, he hasn't had a great day. He's chasing shadows for most of the game, and then all of a sudden he could get sent off. I thought he, he was good in the first off. half key, when balls were on top. I thought yeah. they won that midfield area in the in the first half. Then. Whatever Daly said, he definitely, I, I don't care what anyone says, he definitely gave them a rocket. They were a different team in the, at the start of the second half. They came out with intensity. They got all over Bowes. When they scored the goal, they were well on top at that stage when they scored the goal, deservedly. Um, but I thought in that first half, I thought there was, they, were, they were definitely feeding balls to Clark. He was getting it out to Danny Grant. Connolly got a couple, but Grant was getting a lot of joy on that left-hand side in 1v1 situation. Now, not really going at Curtis, no. not going by him, I mean, but he was getting crosses into the box. There was a couple of pullbacks to Clark, a couple of shots on the edge of the box, and that's where they tightened up in the second half because if you look at it, Curtis was straight onto Grant as soon yeah. as the game started in that second half, and he wasn't giving him the room uh, that, he was, that he was affording him in that first half. I, I thought Curtis had a great game. I like, yeah, he I, won the battle in the end. What a as a winger, like, I, I remember how many times I've been jogging back and people have just berated me saying you get back and you help your full back I'm looking at Mulraney and Mulraney wasn't interested no. and it must have been a ploy from John Daly to say listen you can cheat Jake as soon as, soon as you win the ball we're going to give it to you and you'll win us the game it didn't transpire like that he set pieces got him out of jail he, he gets two assists but defensively I thought 
boat wingers for Pats were cheating an awful lot and it must have been a ploy because John Daly didn't seem to be berating him telling him to get back and yeah, I couldn't believe to be 17 and be told I'm going to leave you one on one to revoke confidence that, to come it? out and say look as a winger if I get told you're going to be one on one for 90 minutes against the right back I'm thinking lovely I cannot wait for this game but Sam Curtis I know Grant did huff and puff and got a couple of crosses in there but largely if you're left one on one for nearly 60 minutes of the yeah. game I think Sam Curtis no, and, that's, and that just goes to show the ability of the young fella because what, what impressed me there not his ability it's his character because if you're getting basically faced up 1v1 and, and Grant's a tricky customer I know he hasn't hit the height since he come back but he's a tricky customer and in the wide open space of the Aviva he was picking it up on the on the touchline and literally running at him like yeah. with, with 10 yards to run into and if you were like and we, were, we were thinking we're getting joy here yeah we're and we were getting joy because yeah. it was down in front of us they were getting joy but a, a younger, lesser player with a lesser mindset or lesser character would have crumbled there. And Curtis stood up and says, Grant, you might have got past me a couple of times and got a couple of crosses. But he says, the game's 90 minutes, not 20 minutes. And to be fair, who came out on the on the end of it? Curtis was outstanding for the 90 minutes. Grant got taken off after an hour. Because in that second half, he was all over him. He, was. he wasn't allowing him the space. Um, and then, and, and Bowes were a bit lost then. Once, yeah, once, lost away. Yeah, because once they had nothing coming from Grant on the left, Connolly got a couple in, on, in the right then where was the creativity coming from? They didn't create a chance. Well, that's where you lose, uh, when you take James McManus off, that's where your creativity's gone. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's probably our you most creative player. You bring on Ali to try and create something, didn't really... F- nah, Ali, it didn't work out for None Ali. of the subs, Paddy yeah. Kirk didn't, because the Pat subs, when they came on, every one of them, even Alex Nolan was doing things, I'd never seen him do, he was brilliant when he came on. Yeah. Uh, Young Murphy, they all had an impact. Yeah, well, I, I, the amount of times that Conor Carty got the ball rolled into his feet and he had Keane Bourne, he just had him there and he played from there, rolled him once or twice, brought midfielders into it. Afalabi didn't do that once to Redmond and I think that was more Jamie Lennon just saying when the ball's up the other end of the pitch right where is Afalabi and just checking his shoulder do you want to get it into him or are you going to be in and around him and I think Pats defensively were a little bit better set up and maybe a little bit more talent on the day that won it but I don't think there was an awful lot in and I think when Declan Devine closed his eyes on Sunday night he'd have been thinking if I'd have played Flores in the middle from the start one or two tighten up on uh, defensive mistakes and defence set pieces like how many times even uh, the Premier League over in England we talk about these big games how many times does it come down to set pieces set yeah. pieces are a huge, well, da- huge part daily of what surprised me uh, spoke about it afterwards and really emphasised the whole set piece thing mm-hmm. and he says we focus heavily on this he says this is a strength for us and we hone in on this he says I think he said they were the highest point scorers in the league from set pieces so this is something that, uh, that yeah, I think he mentioned Graham Kelly one of his coaches that did, a, did some sort of a study on set pieces in the game and where points come from from set pieces so this is something that they actually work on religiously and Again, going back to that, like obviously it's one thing that you focus heavily on it, and and he was getting the message across that we this will win us a game, a set piece, because it was a penalty and two set pieces was in the game. Then obviously the, the goal later on, but it's one thing to talk about it, and I know Keith took free kicks, I took free kicks myself. It's one thing to work on it and to to look for areas where we're going to create, be a be a, be a bit creative on a free kick, but to have a fella to put the ball on the money. And to be fair to Jake Mulraney, the two balls he put in were bang on the money on the biggest day of them all. And you can do it on a Tuesday and a Wednesday and a Thursday and you're coming in every day and training going, oh, what about me deliveries today? But on that moment, in, in the, the biggest day of them all, not only to do one, the two of them were acts, uh, unbelievable deliveries. I can't tell you, and I know you were kind of thinking Talba could have come. If you watch it back, the trajectory of what the ball, it's dipping on the edge of the box where Doyle heads it in. Talbot's only coming if it's looped in like that where he can come out and actually claim it. He's heading it when the ball is on the way down nearly with the trajectory of the ball. It was an amazing ball in. You, you were thinking, Keith, that maybe Bowes were probably a little bit too deep 
for two, the, I thought they were too high. Too high, sorry, I, too high. Yeah, yeah, I'd rather them be deeper because when you look at even uh, the Novak, uh, Novak OG, he's running towards his own goal. And I think if you're a defender and you're running towards your own goal and you've Joe Redmond right on the other side, you, you're in a bad, bad place. I'd rather be coming onto the ball to head it. I wouldn't care if you're six, seven yards away from your own goal line. I'd rather be coming and heading that. And look, it makes it tougher for the goalkeeper to come out, but I also think it makes it tougher for the delivery. If, yeah. I, if I'm taking a free kick yeah. from a wide area and the the defence is nice and high, I've 20 yards to put the ball into when I just whip it in there and go go and, go and cause havoc. If they're already in there and it's a really deep line, you're thinking, I'm just going to put it into an area here yeah. and see what happens. And I think you, it makes it harder. And, and the one on the that winning goal, that's, that's, that's exactly what it, we highlighted. There's a little thing if you watch it back. Look at the space he has to put it in, Eric. Mm. Like it's like it's like a dart player throwing at the board and yeah. he's aiming for it. It's saying to Mulroney, "There's the bullseye, bang, go for it." Whereas as Keith with the high with the low, yeah, being that high, says, the bullseye is that size. Exactly, and, 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 put it and, into that nice and for a lad who has such ability, as Keith said, the bullseye was the size of the dart board. It wasn't that little red thing on the on the, that you normally see. And like McDonald scored a goal like that daily a couple of weeks ago as well. Doyle yeah. should get a mention as well because he's one very unsung hero underrated Tim Clancy obviously brought him in and he and he was similar at Drada one of these lads that you never really earmark before a match or pick out but always pops up does his work defensively as well good honest player but gets important goals yeah big time really gets he scored a great goal in the semi-final the first goal coming in at yeah, the back the stick yeah, as well yeah. and then it final then he pops up and that was another thing as well Eric Bose never held on to the lead for long enough either like you can see, ten, as you said, you were in the stand and you're going, oh, here we go, lads. Yeah. You couldn't even have 20 minutes of holding yeah, yeah, for yeah, a half yeah. an hour. Yeah. Like it was, the, the, the jubilation was gone within minutes. Like we had our moment, we loved it. Like as I said to me, up going in, I look, okay, obviously I want us to win, but if we don't win, I hope at least we have that one moment where we're, where we're celebrating. And we got that one moment and it was great, but as you said, it was it was short-lived, you know, and we didn't And because of really... the, because of the way things have been going in recent weeks as well, if t- if things were far better for you in recent weeks, even if that goal goes in, you you'd be like, all right, Grant, no problem, we'll reset. Yeah. But because the t- way things have been, your natural reaction was, oh, here we go. Again. Yeah, and there was that sense, the crowd went, oh, here we go again, and it was just it was almost like a sense of inevitability, and that's what kind of added, I think, to the disappointment. And yeah, but full credit to to Pat's and and John Daly. Well, sorry to go back to to Mark Doyle. He we we've spoke about him a lot at Pat's and as a winger, as an ex winger, I, I sort of have the wingers under the spotlight because I try and look at what they're doing and you know what they can improve on. But Mark Doyle coming in, there was Sam Allardyce used to have the same with me called Pomo, and it's the position of maximum opportunity. And if the opposite winger or right back is crossing, you have to come inside the width of the goal because that's the position of maximum opportunity. And he would throw stats at me that Martin Gamp Pedersen had, say he would score six goals in the Premier League just by getting into this position. And I, the amount of times I've not got there and the ball has just squirmed past me. And I, but I he was saying that to like Keith. That Keith had FOMO, not FOMO. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tell you, for, for any young winger looking at Mark Doyle, you might think he, he's a little bit, you know, goes through games and doesn't do much, but he's always making that run. And if you're the, you know, Sam Curtis crossing and you're thinking the edge of the box is being locked and so many times you cross the ball and the winger is hanging out thinking oh, he's going to head it to me don't be there go and get in between there in the width of the goal and you will score goals and Mark Doyle does that naturally As you don't said, have to go. I think he does co- it the best in the league coming a couple in of weeks ago. the back four. yeah a couple of weeks ago Daily Mount yeah. he's and exactly not just like little oh. flick on headers some of them are Cracking proper, headers. proper headers he's yeah. decent in the air and he's brilliant I, I really like watching Mark Doyle he's brilliant um, right that's the end of that um. <laughs> <laughs> how did you feel Eric? <coughs> um, like just devastated. It's yeah. it's been a long time since I was this down after the match. Um, it's part of football, of course it is. You know, um, uh, happy to have been there. You know, I still think it's worse to lose in a semi final. 
you know, we got to be part of a great occasion, but you know, we're sick of it now. We we, we want to win a trophy now. It's fifteen years. It'll be sixteen years now next season. And uh, for a club the size of Bowes and where they are now and how they're still growing, you know, we we got to we got to be winning trophies soon. You know, in the next couple of years, we've got to be landing something. Now, you know, we won the Lancer Senior Cup, which is the big one, really. <laughs> but um, I would love an FAI Cup, and I'd love, uh, obviously, a European uh, uh, qualification, which we thought was almost inevitable this season. And that adds to the disappointment as well, the way we fell away after the first round of fixtures. We'd won first seven of our first nine, nine yeah. looking really good. And it's just kind of fallen off a little bit of a cliff. And there's, there's a sense of disappointment there. Um, huge disappointment. And it, as I said, I think it's a massive off-season for Bowes. I think they need to really, really put their heads together and recruit with a bit of with a bit of knowledge, a bit of wisdom, and, and, and get some more experienced players in. Yeah, I think, I think just Pat would bring that. When, yeah. I think Pat came in after a lot of those signings. That's exactly what happened. So they're yeah. not his players. No. The likes of those Polish fellas um, that came in and all. I don't think Pat was around for that. So now that Pat's there, as you say, with the experience and the contacts that he have. Um, I think they will strengthen they need to strengthen because particularly in that back line like you hold on to that Falabi, Clark all had great seasons uh, the top end of the pitch I think is okay midfield is fairly fairly strong as well you, you still might want to add one or two but that defensive area of the pitch and we, we've already highlighted the four of them even Radkowski I throw into the mix I know he's done quite well but you need to strengthen up you need a good left full right full and another centre half, I think. Yeah, I think. You, I think you have it at both ends. It's extremely important that he's get a better defence, but it's so important that somebody doesn't come and nick Afalabi Conley. Like the boy, the boys just having the door have to stay in the door, and he's have to build on them. I think with no European football, it's people really become maybe cherry picking. Mm. He's might strengthen at the back, but become weaker at the top. And yeah, there's already talk that you know Afalabi might be gone, um, but to an English club. Apparently, you can stomach that though, can't you? Yeah, you, you can yeah, stomach it yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. Keith, it would break me heart if I saw him going to Rovers or Pats or something like that. Oh, you no, know? you don't, and, and that's been a problem for Bowles over yeah. the last few years losing your best players to the rivals. If they go across the water or wherever they go in Europe, mm. as Keith says, you can stomach that, but you don't want them going strengthening your opposition. Yeah, and then, then the rumors, I mean, we could we could fly off on the rumors then, the, the rumors that they're talking to Pat Huben at the moment, and, and if Afalabi was to go. Pat Hoban's the exact kind of player I'd love at Bowes. He's, yeah, he's been around the block, he's experienced, Huben, yeah. and he sets standards in the dressing room, and I, I, I'd, I'd welcome him with open arms. So if you're listening, Pat, come to Daily Mount. <laughs> We'd love to have you, pal. That's only if Johnny's going, though, all right? Johnny, you don't have to go. We love you. Stay with us, please. Anyway, boys, uh, that's the FEI Cup final. A momentous occasion for the for the, for the the local game. Still broken hearted, but massive congratulations to Pats, and I have a few friends who follow Pats, and... Uh, you know, begrudgingly, I was happy for them. I suppose they had a, another great that's day. The good, that's the good in here. <laughs> yeah, another great day, I suppose. Lads, the Premier League, uh, one, of the, <laughs> one of the greatest Premier League matches in the last few years occurred while we were at the Aviva. Yeah. Uh, a four-all draw between City and Chelsea. I don't know if he's got to catch up with the highlights and, and see. Um, I suppose the, the, the main person, the, the, the one who's been talked about most is Cole Palmer. Mm -hmm. You know, ex-City, gone to Chelsea, wanted to play first-team football. Uh, Chelsea spent a good bit of money on him, wasn't it? Like, they didn't get him like a bargain, 10 million. It was like 30, 40 million or whatever. Yeah. But it's already there's a comparison being made with De Bruyne. Um, is he that good? I think he is, Eric, yeah. yeah. I actually do. Well, whether he's as good as De Bruyne, but he's definitely in the realm of like top quality. Absolutely. And you don't come through with City unless you're top quality with the players that they have. And he was featuring, and at the start of the season, I think he got the winning goal in the Super Cup final as well. So he was in, in and around the place. And it's a brave call on his part because he could have stayed in and around the place and be coming on the odd game and playing a League Cup game and the odd European game or whatever. But came to the right up to the end of the window and he says, no, 
like whatever discussions were taking place because I want to go and play football and when that bid came in he obviously went to somewhere where he feels he play more regularly and now there's a bit of belief in him the manager Pochettino putting a lot of faith in him It's all he's obviously grown in stature since someone's put that belief in him feeling like he's the main man and he's delivering he's been absolutely outstanding but his quality for me was never in question it was just a case of him getting the run of games and giving him that belief if you like he seems to have a great temperament doesn't he for yeah, someone well, so young and he's straight in like he, he was like I'd say Guardiola rated him, rated him highly but the only problem was how can he keep him on the bench when you have Foden and you have Bernardo Silva or whatever so I'd say that was the dilemma for Guardiola and he was saying is it fair on this young fella or do I keep him here so he probably thought we'll get 50 million from him or whatever it is we can afford to lose him if you like because we still have the quality but in terms of him as a player I think he's absolutely brilliant I always did think he was very good um, our, 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 our good friend Erling Haaland uh, scoring again and, and, and actually admitted that was the first time he's ever scored with his balls which <laughs> what a man you, you, ha, you have that. to love him don't you you yeah, have to love him like you know he's, uh, he's box office with his quotes first time I've ever scored a goal with my balls um, did he say that yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, he uh, it, the, the penalty incident I suppose was a talking point Keith in that uh, the Cucurella uh, at first mm. it was Haaland so smart had Cucurella in a, in, a, in, a, in a voice grip in a voice grip and just let go at the right moment as Cucurella's hanging back onto him and goes down um, is it a penalty Keith or is that happening all the time? That happens all the time it's not a penalty for me um, the, I, defenders always do this as the, as the play is building up they'll come and give you a little whack and then as the ball's coming in you'll give them a whack and you fall over and you think you, you were so strong <laughs> yeah, yeah, ago, yeah. but you're so weak now and they just play the game and when you that's look the at dark the, arts, isn't it? Yeah, that's the dark arts. When you look at the Hoyland, uh, when Hoyland pulls back Rodri and you give a penalty for that, you're giving a penalty for that, you're going to give so many penalties every day. So they're given that, they give that. I think the both of them aren't penalties. You can isolate it and say, well, he has pulled them back, but you're pulling, you're pulling back a, you know, a six-foot man who's 80-odd kilo and you're just pulling his jersey. You don't fall over when somebody pulls your jersey. But look, it is, it, it's one of those... It's got to the point now where managers will say, listen, VAR's there, so if there's any sort of thing, just go down and see what happens. Because we don't see really people getting booked anymore. There's no, there's nothing to discourage you doing it. But look, I, I think uh, the anticipation from Haaland, when Haaland, uh, for his goal, when he scores with his balls, when it comes across the box, he's already sliding. It's like he thinks this is going to end up in this area at some point, so I'm just going to get myself in there. And it ends up hitting him and he goes got Pomo, there you go. <laughs> yeah. He stays on the move. The, the one thing with Haaland is, and it, it's so simplistic to say, when the ball is in the box or the ball is out wide, he doesn't stand still looking at it. He doesn't think, oh, okay, it's coming in now and move. He's just constantly moving. And, and he's scanning. You and can't he's, mark. Yeah. he's just constantly in the move. And he, he says, I sprint in the box, where most players will jog and, and, and walk about. I sprint. And it's just, just look at him. He just stays on the move and the ball is moving. And you can't mark somebody who's, who's moving all the time. And I think he's outstanding. He's an absolute goal machine. And, in terms of the best player in the world, I, I, I'm leaning towards Joe Bellingham. I think Bellingham has he, he has a little bit more about him on how, how a game will go. Like if, if Haaland doesn't get any service, he can't do anything. But Joe Bellingham will go and pick the ball up and make things happen. So for me at the minute, Bellingham is probably the best the best player in the world. And I, I don't want to say this, but I'm, I'm terrified that England are going to going to win the Euros or, or the World we Cup. Won't get to that, yeah, you see all the talent they have. It's like it's when, just, when you it's think of him and Harry, Harry Kane has gone to Munich, you yeah. know, setting the world on fire. And we're even talking college. about the two news editions, like Rico Lewis and Cole Palmer, going into the England squad. Like this conveyor of talent is yeah, still serious it's, talent. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just it's managing it. No one is used to getting the best out of them because they have some unbelievable players. To really but the, do. the one thing that gives me a bit of solace is that I think Southgate will keep the handbrake on. He's not just going to put all these attacking players on the pitch and they go and win the game. He will think, right, let's not lose this game and see if we can go and nick it, which could work against them in the end. But 
for me, the amount of talent they have, they're going to win something sooner or later. Just going back to that, though, the City, I thought it was a penalty, Eric. Oh, you did? Yeah. And I know Keith's saying about, like, that happens a hundred times, but he's the wrong side again. Cucurella's dragging out of him and everything. And that might be clever on Haaland's part. I just think, in, in, I know what you're saying there, Al, but I just think the way Haaland manipulated his At body. The start, he was yeah, he, first. He got and got him around. Yeah. He used his strength to put him on the wrong side. And then, and then he's panicking, Cucurella. <laughs> yeah. And then once you start panicking, as I said, it was like Novak. Once you start panicking, Keane Coleman, once you're the wrong side, you're in trouble. And every manager in the world will tell you, go down. And nowadays, they're, they're even more so. They're going down. Um, and I thought it was. I He's a bit rash like that, Cucurella, as well. When I watch him, he's a bit mad. Um, and that's that's in his locker that he w- might do something like that every time I watch him he's a, he's like a go gadget bunny type he's all <laughs> he isn't like he's all yeah. just settle down like you yeah. know it's a, when you've been bullied by somebody when he puts you on the other side you're thinking oh, I need yeah. to get back on him I need to get yeah. back on him and panic mode yeah. Yeah. it's that panic but once it sets in you're done yeah. do we have a title race lads if there's uh, the top five teams are separated by three points I think we do yeah, yeah. and I think what's made it better this year is that they're all kind of taking points off each other which leads to the fact that we have the four or five. Um, and the longer it can stay like that, the better it is for Eric, or for all of us. We, we don't want... Everybody thought City had run away with it at the start. I thought Arsenal would be the only challengers, and I actually said Arsenal would win it. Uh, they're still in the mix. I said Liverpool would definitely be kind of in and hovering around there as well with the attack and talent to have. Spurs have been obviously a surprise. They won't win the league, but if they can stay in there, but now obviously losing the players they've lost the last, that's them done in terms of staying up there but I still think they can hopefully stay in the European places Newcastle Europe and the injuries are killing them I st- I think if you have a full throttle Newcastle they're in amongst that as well but there's five what about, six what about the most informed team yeah, in the Premier yeah, League at the moment to this, yeah. <laughs> well, Man, you know, to think they're only six points behind it oh, it's just mental like, I'm at a, a point ahead of Newcastle five points ahead now, of the Chelsea three wins they've had that has them in the form of Sheffield United Luton and Brentford yeah the but big three wins. Yeah. <laughs> look, a win's a win. a win's a win. Yeah, yeah. No, ah, look, look, an incredibly underwhelming performance again. But I was the, the one bright light for that watching that game was uh, the the performance again of Chidozzi. Mm. He was like like flying, comfortably Luton's best player, and just looks like a, he looks like he looks different. I don't know what it is. Like he has that athleticism, that that pace. It's like his touch and all has improved, and yeah. there's a real confidence about him. Like you know, when he gets on the ball, you feel like Luton are going to do something. He's, he's obviously feeding happen. off the confidence of being where he is and the plaudits he's getting, and he's relishing it at the moment. And feels this is the stage I want to be on. I feel like I belong, and he's absolutely relishing it at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. He's one of the bright lights for Ireland, isn't he? You know, even when we're getting beat by France, Holland, he's the one that's picking up the ball and driving us up the pitch, getting us off. And I done the uh, I done the commentary for the Liverpool and Luton game and. He gave Alexander Arnold an awful time, left him for left him in his wake a couple of times. I know Trent is not the best defender in the world, but then Canate's coming over. He left Canate in his wake as well once or twice. So I think he's becoming more and more comfortable at that level. And I think with Luton, I don't think he's getting overloaded with information. I don't think he's saying, listen, when you get the ball, I'd want you to come in here and lovely patterns and triggers of play. I think they're saying, we're going to defend for our lives, give it to you, you go up the pitch, cross it, and we're going to yeah. see what we can yeah. get. It really is it's very, stuff. It, it's very simple. The day we were over there, he, he's literally, now he does his work, he's a brilliant winger for track and back, he's such an honest lad, but purely because of the way they play, nine times out of ten, they're just penned in, the other team has the ball possession, and it's all counter-attack, and it's helped Andros Townsend has come in now, he's another one, something similar, but Ogbeni is getting licensed to just, you get the ball and run with it, mm. and he's loving it, it's like as Keith said, he's, he's 100% right, it's so simplistic, but 
suits him down to the ground and he has the big wide open spaces to run into and, and it makes him look great oh, it does, and the, the good thing look, I, I thought Luton were really lacking in a little bit of quality but all of a sudden Ross Barkley looks yeah. like he has a little bit about him again Andros Townsend so if they're camped in like that we've seen it with United to it a, a much higher level Bruno Fernandes wins the ball Rashford over the top here we go if Luton can just get Andros Townsend Ross Barkley to nick the ball go and get Chidozzi in behind and go and play from there they can hurt teams mm. I don't think they'll stay in the league but they definitely have a weapon in yeah, the over the last they really years. have yeah, yeah. They, they, they look harder to beat now they look more set up and organised I was I didn't give us any hope there at the weekend I was going this is going to be a nil all draw this is dreadful like you know mm. but eventually got it and uh, and now we're uh, going to win the league. So, uh, <laughs> but but uh, I mean, we may, so we, we we shouldn't just skim off uh, Liverpool. Liverpool. Let's be honest; they're still being under the radar a little bit, haven't yeah. they? But they're still like they're I can't believe comfortably three nil, three nil. Yeah, you know, Salah. Salah again hasn't really been spoken about, but he's on fire. Salah's you know, on fire. Ridiculously yeah, talented footballer that yeah. man is. Yeah, he's Salah's. Salah's outrageous player to be fair and Nunes now is striking up a bit of a relationship with him I know he was getting criticised for missing some of the opportunities but he looks he's just a handful Nunes and again if he strikes up that relationship with Salah chipping in with the goals himself you have Jota always scores Jota Jota's been a brilliant signing as well a Mark Doyle type Jota isn't he kind of runs around yeah, yeah and, and he's always there pops up with a goal when no one's really mentioning him um, obviously Luis Diaz to come back like the players to have at the top end and then what the strength in midfield is brilliant like Sabosla has been a great signing McAllister yeah. there's, there's talk of McAllister being a little bit underwhelming saying that he's probably not shown the, 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 the performance levels he did with say the Argentina and Brighton last season yeah I think because he's playing in that deepest position it, he, he prefers to play where maybe Sabosla is as the eight. I think the plan was maybe those two either side of a deep but sitting one but they couldn't get one I don't think so that's why now he's capable of doing it but he it's won't. not his best position yeah because yeah. you want him higher up the pitch where he can create the chances um, he's a brilliant player but Liverpool yeah I, I have Liverpool in the mix purely because of the goal how can you not they're going to score two or three every game like they're frightening going forward yeah especially at Anfield yeah. like they just look you know just impenetrable Um uh, Arsenal still 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 getting the wins in Keith still mm. hanging in there and to me probably the closest challenge to City um, the, any thoughts of the game against Fulham at the weekend yeah yeah, yeah I, I think they did they did okay Arsenal it's hard to get too too beat up about it because like when Spurs were doing well all the Spurs fans were coming to me oh, I think we're going to challenge we're going to do this we could even do a double and I'm going have you never heard of Manchester City yeah. I, I would be sitting here <laughs> raving about Arsenal thinking they're the best team in the league they're the most improved one of the best young managers some beautiful young players the football we play is a smooth as silk at times but Manchester City are waiting in the background that's, and that's why that's the I just can't get behind them but look as an Arsenal fan I, I, I I've you know I've been around where it's been really lacklustre at times and it's been we're going in the right direction and not to kick you while you're down there you look at the likes of a Manchester United I know you're the most informed team but the performances there's oh. such a mishmash of people in that dressing room it just doesn't seem right and then you look at Arsenal and you think yeah no I'm happy I, I'm happy where we are I, I don't think we're going to win the league if we can throw a few punches in the Champions League semi-finals quarter-finals maybe even a final I'm not expecting to win it I think we do all right, but can we compete in the Champions League and the Premier League? It's a big ask, so. isn't it? Yeah, really it is a big ask. So. Um, Villa are still churning out the wins like the record of 13. That's the record. 13 home wins in a row on the trot. in the Premier League. Unbelievable. Like, Fortress Villa Park. And again, it's the way to play. Like It gets you off your seat. It's electric. The, the, the amount of players to get in the box. McGinn as well. McGinn... I wouldn't say McGinn is underrated because lots of people give McGinn the plaudits, but he's a brilliant player, John McGinn. He's absolutely outstanding. Like and and he always always performs, always delivers. 
high energy, high intensity, suits Emery down to the ground, has a bit of quality as well with the left foot. Watkins is obviously scoring some goals. Um, Emery, like, unbelievable job. Can Where can the finish, I suppose? That's the question. I think he'll try and look at the European thing and, and win win that again. Yeah, he's um, used to win them, isn't he? He, he has about <laughs> eight of them at home. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, if they can get into the top six, because there is, like, to be fair, we've named out Spurs, Arsenal, City... Mm. It's chock-a-block up there at the top at the moment and Villa are in that mix, Newcastle are still in that mix. So if they can get into the top six with the opposition that's around them, which is very good at the moment, it'll be an amazing season and obviously try and win an FA Cup. There's something there, Villa for the FA Cup, I'm, I'm nailing it. There you go, there's Villa a prediction. for an FA Cup. <laughs> I do think Villa will win something under Emery. I think, but I do think the Premier League, if it's a European trophy, I think the Premier League will suffer. He will go, if they get into the, the quarters, the semis, he'll put all his eggs into that basket. The Premier League might suffer towards the end, but the squad he's starting to get mm. together there. Like, you look at it and you think, that's and, not bad at all. And they strength and depth as well. Yeah, like, and yeah. The, the only reason, like, people say, oh, the Aston Villa are a huge club. They are, they're one of the joints of the English game. But the likes of a Pau Torres, some of the other boys, uh, the the boy up front who's... Watkins. Ollie Watkins. The Abbey. Uh, the Abbey. Oh, what a they sign he's been. Unless Emre's there. And yeah. only Thielemans actually at the weekend, one thing, you, we used to always watch Thielemans, technically very good, but Leicester used to just sit and play everything in front of him. He was... Bursting like lung at the weekend, playing that eight number eight position, getting down into. I was running, was he? All energy, yeah, all energy, and that again, that's Emery drilling that into him because he he's a bit of a kind of luxury fella, Taylorman's. Yeah, I watched him even here in the Aviva when Belgium. Now he's only, I think, it was a friendly, but um, strolling around, strolling around the yeah. place. But the other day he was like running around, like basically the demands that are on him now because you don't play in that team unless you do that. Mm. Um, just one, just before we 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 move on to the uh, the career tracker game, uh, Newcastle, obviously they're. Decimated with injuries at the moment. Decimated with injuries. I feel and, for them a little bit, yeah. And the incident at the end of the game where Trippier had to go over because the fans were giving him abuse. Yeah, and you're like, Jesus Christ, do you not remember the two years ago? Where he's where two years ago and what he's done. And, and as he said, do you not know how many injuries we have? Do you not know how many injuries I have? I thought that was like, it just shows you the fickleness of football fans, I suppose. Um, Newcastle have done amazing things in the last year and a half, two years. and yeah, look, I, I, when I, when I see Trips going over, Trips is not the sort of person who gets wound up very easily. He's a very, very laid back person. So, I think is he, he is he laid back? Is very he? laid back, really, he's really like laid back. Oh, uh, yeah, on once he crossed the white yeah. line, but even in the dressing room before kickoff, he'd be going around like uh, quoting Mike Bassett, England manager, and all. He's really, really laid back, and he's just one of the lads. But once he crosses the white line, there's a bit of a change in him, and as soon as he finishes again he, he he calms down but when I seen Trips I thought that's not like Trips something must have been said there and to see him giving out but again football fans have such short memories yeah. now, two years ago Newcastle at Christmas time were in a relegation battle yeah. you know what I mean yeah. they, I think it was Steve Bruce they wanted out the door Joe Linton was a laughing stock and yeah. all of a sudden Mike Ashley was running the club and yeah. they, 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 they BPSG I think he's been their best signing Trippier I think he's outstanding mm. yeah. for everything that he brings in, in terms of out of possession in possession like I know England are blessed with full backs but It'll be a it'll be a big call when Southgate when it comes to that you're talking earlier about them winning because well, he, he's, Kyle he's, Walker he's top of the table for chances created in the Premier League from from rifle well you have Trent Arnold you have Reese James you have Walker <laughs> it goes on and on like, it's just sickening we're seeing their talent at the top, like <laughs> Bellingham and Kane yeah. even their full backs are superstars <laughs> like yeah well I, I would play I think you play Trips as a right wing back and you play Walker as, as the right side of the centre half yeah. and you just tell Trips listen you just put ball after ball into the box where do you play Saka then. 
Oh, I don't know. I don't, don't let me pick an English <laughs> Just an embarrassment of riches. Yeah, isn't real, it? yeah. No, I think Trippy is outstanding. Yeah, he really I, is. Brilliant. Oh, just 12 million from Atletico. Brilliant. Ah, player. A bargain. Like, and and man, another one, Man United were linked with for. And he's, and he's a Man United fan. It's all family are Man United fans. And we were like, oh. come on, make it happen. Didn't happen. Anyway, listen, boys, we're coming to towards the end of the podcast and we're going to play a career tracker game. All right. Yes. So, so for Alan, I'm going to name you a few clubs. You tell me the player okay. who, who plays, right? So the clubs are Real Sociedad, David Silva, Ibar, <laughs> Liverpool, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich. Call them out again. Sociedad. Sociedad, Ibar, Liverpool, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich. Xavi Alonso. Yay! Who is ripping her up in the Bundesliga at the moment. Did you see the clip last week of him zinging balls in training and he still zings them? Like still that? has it? Oh, you, what you a just, player. You never lose it, do you? What a player, Xavi Alonso. Nutmeg Xavi Alonso once. You what? I nutmeg them. By yeah. mistake now. I, <laughs> I, I was running towards uh, Blackburn against Liverpool. I was running towards the, the byline and Xavi Alonso was coming after me. And I, I literally, I was so tired. So I'm just going back here, let's back into play and see what happens. But he got so close to me, I just nutmegged him straight back to one of my own And men. the crowd went, yeah! <laughs> just out of sheer tiredness. <laughs> I was like John O'Shea. Remember John O'Shea nutmeg Figo? Real Madrid. Uh, yeah, a few yeah. years ago. Yeah, and he's still... still um... Right, Keith, here's your one, right? Blackburn... Swindon, Sunderland, Newcastle, Man City, Aston Villa, Middlesbrough, Stoke. Jesus. I know. So Blackburn was his first club. Swindon, Sunderland, Newcastle, Man City, Aston Villa, Middlesbrough, and finished up with Stoke. You say he played for Sunderland, Newcastle, and Middlesbrough? Yeah. Jesus. Now, some of these were loan moves. Right. But um, I'll give you. Uh, do you know what? He's Irish. Go again from the start, sir. Blackburn, Blackburn, Swindon, Sunderland, Newcastle, Man City, Villa, Middlesbrough, Stoke City. I was actually surprised when I saw the answer. I was like, "Oh wow, really? He played for all them? I knew a few of them." But um, yeah, Irish, 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 yeah, Irish legend. Legend. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Huh? I'm struggling. I'm, well. I'm struggling. I'm. He, all right, I'll give you a position. Johnny Evans, little brother. I'll What's give you a position. <laughs> I give you, no Corey Evans. You're Corey thinking Evans. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, it's he's a goalkeeper. I was thinking because we'll give him as a my head, but no. It is. Is it Shay, Shay Given? Given? But he was the only one I was thinking of. Yeah, that's the answer. Shay Given played for Middlesbrough. Yeah, on loan. And oh God, you learn something yeah. new every day. Yeah. All the loan spells. Before yeah, yeah. Wait, before you like yeah. became Newcastle's before number one. Before became Shea Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like my one was harder than his. I one. was Game actually. Now, in fairness, and game. I answered it. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you know what, Keith? We'll go back to you now. This one, I think you should get this one. Blackburn, Chelsea, Newcastle, Fulham, Damien Melbourne. Duff. Yeah. Before they even finished the last one, they were Shamrock Rovers. All right. Here's your one, Al. Right. Shrewsbury. Oh. <laughs> Man City Tranmere Oh I think I know Blackpool Birmingham Torino West Ham Spurs Celtic I do I know Shrewsbury Man City Tranmere Blackpool Birmingham Torino West Ham Spurs Celtic Still there Still at Celtic 
Joe Hart. Yeah. There we go. There we go. There's a couple of good ones there. Yeah. That like I. I hope she give him one. Wow, that would trick a few people. Wouldn't it just because, yeah. as you mentioned, all the northeastern oh, yeah. clubs? Well, I was, I, I, he was <laughs> the one that was. All, he was in my head, but I was like, it couldn't be Shea given. Yeah, because yeah. it was like Middlesbrough, Sunderland. Do you know if I got he played for Blackburn? Yeah, I, 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 I actually do remember him playing for Blackburn, but I am. Um, I don't remember Sunderland, Middlesbrough. No, yeah. no. They were early, early, early stages of his career. He went out on loan with them, kind of thing. Like, and uh, he was actually, he, he was actually revered by Sunderland. Because he had a great season with them, okay. um, but then went back to Newcastle. Obviously, and they yeah. hated him again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling. <laughs> so, lads, uh, listen, we have come to the end of episode thirty-four of House of Football. Again, it's been an absolute pleasure having both of you. I love chatting to both of you. Great knowledge, great crack. And uh, if you are watching this on YouTube, drop join in the conversation. Drop a comment below and leave us a review on iTunes. And as I said, it's spelled B R I L L I A N T. Congratulations, Pat's. My God. You've been listening to House of Football, brought to you by Sports Joe.